Welcome back to... Hey, great shot. I was like a cantor in a temple. Thank you. I've been working on it. That's what my grandma always says. She are, says you, are you secretly withholding some information from me? Are you, are you training? Sounds, sounds pretty good. Alright, I'll stop. But uh, can I just tell you a quick se- like seg- Duty quick Sella is secretly loving that. <laughs> Hopefully he listens to the pod. <laughs> but it, just a quick story that I think you might enjoy. So for my little brother's bar mitzvah, and my little brother is six and a half years younger than me, uh, Eric and I got an Aaliyah in the service, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing For about those of you don't stuff, know. but the idea is Eric and I were going to say an opening prayer in front of the congregation before Nikki read from the Torah. And I was really, because, you know, so the first line of the prayer we were going to do is call and response. So the first thing you say is, Baruch Hu Adonai Hamvorach, and then the crowd responds, Baruch Adonai Hamvorach Le'olam and I was trying to get my best friend Dustin to, after we said the first line, to stand up in the crowd and go, Baruch Adonai HaVorach For those of you who can't see Alex, he's going Statue of Liberty <laughs> status, fist up in the air. Just imagine if you would have stood and then we had Just a nice little it. duet. Oh. And then, because he would keep going with me and Eric would be the idea. Because afterwards, it just becomes me and Eric saying the prayer. So it wouldn't have been that weird if he would have just joined us. These these are the fantasies that Alex has. <laughs> I just think I... it would have been the funniest <laughs> thing. Can you imagine if you're in the service and just someone stands, stands in the crowd up. and does like a... Again, it, this it would be comical. Or no does doubt. the Hyun Chung Joel and Bean Ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <bring> everyone. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> so, equally as entertaining... The Dallas Challenger, one of the most fun events of the year. You know, you have Mike Cation, who did a phenomenal job as the live broadcaster for the Australian Open, coming back on the USTA Pro Circuit. This is one of his first events of the year, so we had him in full effect. And, you know, we want to, before we get into the matches, give a special, hey, great shot again to our American winners in this tournament. We had Austin Krejcik, Jared Hiltzik, Tommy Paul, Dennis Kudla, Bradley Klon, Taylor Fritz, Tim Smichek, Mackenzie McDonald, as a reminder to our listeners, in order to limit Max and I from rambling on too long, we've instilled the shot clock. This is in honor of the next-gen ATP finals. Max Rothman, cue the clock. Max Fliegner, cue the clock sound effect. Let's roll. So Francis Tiafo, the number two seed, defends my boy, Stefan Kozlov, 6-2-7-6. Rothman, you were talking me after watching this match, and you were saying, it's great to see my boy rock your boy. And that's the voice I when you sent me text <laughs> you like imagine, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What are your thoughts? You gloat a little bit. You're welcome. I mean, look, I've said this once, and I'll say it again. I don't see anything in Kozlov's game that stands out. And this literally was just the perfect example. I Tiafo, cannot disagree with you. Tiafo more. dismantled him. I know the second set was close. 7-6. I agree. It was good tennis. But the first set was just classic what I expect to see from a guy like Tiafo who has some weapons, is athletic, and took advantage of every short ball and lack of footwork that Kozlov sometimes puts into his tennis. And I know, okay, maybe lack oh of footwork gosh. isn't the right terminology, but sometimes I, I literally watch Kozlov, and I think he's asleep. I'm so upset because I'm going to blow my medical time out in this first match, <laughs> but I have so many things to respond to for that. Just go. Number one, Rant. again, Kozlov, new racket. I think it takes him time to adjust that feel. Oh, I think no. there is going to be a natural a, transition. Not a... No, it's not an excuse. It's just a fact. That's just something he made the choice, and of course, there's going to be an adjustment period, and that's something he was dealing with, and I think you could tell in terms of his double fault count, he has nine double faults, and I think that's a testament to you know getting comfortable with a new racket. Number two, 
Kozlov has the best feel of any of these next guys. And let me elaborate on what I mean. You're wrong. Man. No. So let me elaborate. First of all, the angles he's able to find are ridiculous. The inside out forehand. He's able to hit it as though he's hitting it cross court short angle and get that type of angle onto where it even moves outwards away from you. I just think it's incredibly impressive. He owns all of the down the lines. He's a comfortable volleyer. Yes, he has issues with his serve. And when you look in this match, he only won 33% of his second serve points. But he's an outstanding returner. You know, he holds Tiafa to only winning 30% of his second serve points. So they're right there next to each other. You know, the first serve is where you kind of differentiate because Tiafa serves 66%. And, you know, the Tiafa first serve is a cannon versus Kozlov's 52%. But these are two guys who know each other as well as any two players on tour. They've played Orange Bowl final, Kalamazoo final. They understand each other's patterns. And my new big thing in tennis is looking for the patterns. I'm trying to see, even if it's repetitive, what point is each player trying to play each time? And for Kozlov, the answer was clear in this match. I'm parking on the ad side, and I'm making Tiafo beat me with his backhand. Now, to Francis's credit, he's able to move around the backhand so well and just whip that inside-in forehand, particularly in indoor tennis, which is what the Dallas Challenger is and yeah Tiafo did an outstanding job I just think as you know the quality of tennis in this match was so high so I'm not trying to take anything away from Francis he was that good but it's nothing against Stefan who goes up a break in the second set you know I'm using yep, it. Medical use it. timeout. Go. Who goes up a break in the... It's been amazing, for, by the way, that I've been talking this whole time. I've probably used two minutes. <laughs> I'm not but, surprised. <laughs> but the way, you know, Kozlov goes up a break, he's able to take returns early. He throws in the drop shots, the short slices, getting you uncomfortable. You know, Tiafo's not a player who's afraid of playing junk ball either. And if they're going to slice to slice, I take Kozlov every time. And I think that's what he was doing when he was successful. He was making Francis uncomfortable. He was making Francis push the pace with his backhand. Now, again, to Francis's credit, some of the things he can do on the run are ridiculous. His on-the-run slice forehand is absurd. His ability to whip forehands cross-court, whip them down the line, outstanding. He even does a good job of sneaking in, so this is nothing against him. But don't say Kozlov doesn't have the weapons, because it's not Kozlov. You know what? I just—sometimes I still see him, and I think he's in the junior Orange Bowl again. It's and fair. I, and I have a hard time seeing him going up against guys with massive shots— Big weapons, lots of power. I just, I don't see it. So my thing is, I think he makes you play Cosball. I think he makes you play junk ball. He slows everything down. You know, he's making you move side to side with different angles and kind of stepping in forward. And I'm willing to be cut off now because we will have a Stefan Kozlov next gen episode where we can get into all of this. But again, despite that Kozlov rant, you're right. Don't take anything away from Tiafo. He played really well in this match. Okay. Let's move on to our next match. This is a rematch from round one, and so we don't need a clock on this one because we'll go through really quickly. This time, Kini Shikori faces off against Denis Novikov and beats him 6-3, 6-3. Pretty similar points, only this time it seemed Nishikori got to that extra ball and you know put a little bit more pressure on Novikov. Like you mentioned earlier, shocking because it was indoor tennis versus the Newport matchup where it was outdoors. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I, I thought this was a match that one, I th- would have expected Novikov to take with the indoor. I know we mentioned that earlier, but it didn't really seem to benefit him very much. I will say, I, I think Novikov dominated the backhand side of the court, which was interesting. I, I didn't expect to see that, especially considering Nishikori is pretty consistent from that side. But uh, most of the points where they were going back and forth, Novikov took advantage of. And obviously, Nishikori took this match pretty handily, but it didn't seem like there was too much of a margin on this match except on those second serves Novikov only was able to convert 36% of his second serves 
that's just not good. In the first match, Novikov wins 57% of his second serve points. In this match, he only wins 36%. That's the difference in the match. And yeah, like we mentioned earlier, when you get a second opportunity to play someone, particularly being Kei Nishikori, being a top 10 talent, you're going to make the adjustments. And credit to him for starting out this tournament much better than the last one. He definitely showed that he's a, a top 10 player, and hopefully he can keep improving. But let's move on to our next match. I want to talk about a couple other notable results before we move on to that second round. First one being Kesmanovic again taking down for Tangelo in three sets. We've got Tommy Paul taking down Satral in straights. Kudla taking down Kipson in straights. That one was pretty handy, 6-3, 6-1. A couple other big matches where we had some former college guys. Klon taking down Marcos Giron. Tim Smichak. You were so close to just saying Marcos. I know, I was. Uh, Smichak taking down Mitch Kruger and Mackie taking down Tatsuma Ito. One match you didn't mention, and I appreciate that because I want to just get two seconds in, Jared Hiltzik, Braden Schnur. You know, we mentioned this in the Newport part of this podcast, but again, the level of this first round at a challenger event, just ridiculous. You have any type of star you want, up and coming, former college star, you know, journeyman who's had flashes, every type of available talent was there. And I love seeing college rivalries renewed. I might have mentioned this earlier, but Jared Hiltzik beats Braden Schnur 5-7-6-2-7-6. It's a renewal of their UNC-Illinois rivalry from college, and they played a couple highly contested NCAA matches that were, you know, a lot of fun for me to watch back in the day. I have to say, Jared Hiltzik moves incredibly well, and he doesn't really have a weapon, but his speed, another one of those guys who just hangs with you all the time, and watching Schnur crack that racket at the end of the third set, amazing. That was a crack. That, there are some good cracks in these last couple. These guys get heated. Yeah, they do. I mean, that was also a tough way to to lose 7-6 in that third set. I definitely understand the frustration there. were also three times Schnur was outraged at calls. I thought he was going to destroy the ref. Again, you were the one saying that I was ridiculous for saying that I think some of these line calls are bad, but they're... In every single one of these matches, there are complaints. And, and I know this is the Challenger it Tour. It happens and these both guys, ways. Yeah, of course it happens both ways. I'm just saying there were an abnormal number of complaints with these line judges. Or maybe millennials just complain a lot. I complain a lot. You complain, I complain a lot. Yeah. Who knows? It could be a new symptom. That's a, that's a pretty bad flaw for us to have, though. Well, okay. <laughs> do you want to do another tangent here, or should we save it for the changeover chat about your call system? Your proposed call system. Well, I, I do have an interesting... We'll save it for the changeover yeah, yeah, chat. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay, so yeah, those were the notable results. Shout out to Kesmenovich for you know backing up his Newport results and taking out a guy like Fertangelo in three. A guy we have not talked about yet, but I know you have a lot to say. And again, Rothman Fliegner, start the clocks. Mackenzie McDonald defeats Francis Tiafo 7-5-2-6-6-3. The floor is yours. So, I just have to say, the more and more I've been watching Mackie, I am impressed. He is playing fantastic tennis. He's moving in more than I expected to see. Even indoors. Even indoors. I love it. And I love his return. I know that's what everyone comments on. C'est magnifique. Yeah, it's it's perfect. I mean, I I honestly would argue that his return is better than Djokovic. Oh, oh my God, but not Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely better than Murray. Dude, that's... Wow. That's a hot take. I know. Uh, I know. Okay. Yeah, that's too hot of a take for me, but you know, you look at some of the stats. <laughs> Throwing from, them off. No, look at some of the stats from this match. It was an either or, but Tiafo four of eighteen on break opportunities yeah. versus McDonald's four of eight. Tiafo was there, and it's the same thing in the Kesmenovich match. He was there, and I want to kind of talk about Francis Tiafo's last ten results 
And not to break up your love affair with Mackenzie McDonald, but I do want to mention one more thing about Francis Tiafo. You look at his last 10 events. He's 7-10 in those tournaments. His results are second-round loss, first-round loss, first-round loss at Aussie, first-round loss at Brisbane, first-round loss to Fed at Basel, second-round loss to Gofen Antwerp, second-round loss in Shanghai, lost to Tsitsipas in Tokyo qualifying, lost Fed first round of the U.S. Open, and then made the round of 16 in Cincinnati. So it's really been since Cincinnati where he's had a breakthrough results. And you see, he you know he's struggling to stay inside the top 10. I think he's down to 94. All of that being said, fans of Francis Tiafo. Do not worry. He looked great in this match, and he had all of the opportunities. His ability to snap from defense to offense like that is just remarkable. Yeah, and I think, actually, this was a match that, first of all, high-quality tennis throughout the entire match, but I would actually say this was a match that had an advantage for Mackey. Indoors, that flat ball. I agree. I think it's super—it's— I think it's an absolute advantage. For and you can't really get away with those slices that Tiafo tries because Mackie will move in. Mm-hmm. He'll cut it off and indoors the volley and he did is that. that much cleaner. And he did that a lot throughout this match. I think that is one of the, the differences that allowed him to take this match. You know, if you look at the stats, it's all pretty close. First serve percentages are basically spot on. Same with points one on first serve. Points one on second serve is pretty much spot on. It, it, it was a match of pretty small margins. It was an either-or type of match. And yeah, you look at breaks, they both have four breaks. And so, again both of them in each other's serving games so they both have opportunities i think again you saw a lot of mackenzie mcdonald attacking the tiafo backhand and then keeping mm-hmm. him honest with down the lines tiafo is not a guy you want to start slapping cross-court forehands with because his forehand's just that remarkable and you know he keeps trying to work the inside in or inside out forehand to protect his backhand and with a guy like mckenzie he's going to take that little bit of space and use it yeah, absolutely, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more good results from Mackie if he keeps playing the way he does, and there's our timer, so let's move on to the next match. No medical timeout? No, not from me. I like it. Keep going. We got Dennis Kudla and Tommy Paul. Kudla winning this one 7 I actually didn't have a chance to see this match, so Alex, take it away. Well, then we'll definitely go under three minutes here because not not too much to say from this match. A lot of similar patterns occur in Dennis Kudla's matches, which is his opponent trying to attack the Kudla forehand because you don't want to get into backhand-to-backhand exchanges with Dennis Kudla, particularly indoor tennis when the ball is just sitting that much cleaner for him. It's hard to do. I also thought Kudla served particularly well in this match. You know, 64% of his first on his first serve wins 70% of his first serve points, over 50% of his second serve points. But this was an either-or match, 7-6-6-4, you know, Kudla three breaks Tommy Paul too I thought Tommy was in control of the first set I thought he did a good job of dictating to the Kudla forehand and I believe he was up a break early in the match and just kind of let it slip away with one loose serving game and a couple big backhand returns from Kudla Kudla also hit the most ridiculous little like track down of a drop shot he did show me that little dinkum shot as you call it that was pretty sweet yeah so Kudla played really well it was an either or and Tommy Paul losing that first set kind of did him in Great match. High-quality tennis, a lot of good baseline grinding. You know, if you're watching a replay, that's the type of match to watch because you'll see a lot of good points. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's really all I got on that match. Cool. Well, let's talk about a few other notable results before we move on to our quarterfinals. Taylor Fritz had a nice rematch with Klon going 7-6 in the third. Uh, another fun match to watch if you have time to go back through some replays. Uh, we have Kazmenovic again taking down another player, Austin Krychek. 7-6, 6-7, 7-6. So let me just say... 
I don't watch. Okay, that's a lie. I watch more challenger matches than anyone, but even then, I still get to be picky about the matches I watch. Some of those random matches from a challenger in Uzbekistan on the live stream, I'm not going to watch. This was a match I was fortunate enough to click on accidentally because Kesmanovich Krejcik, you know, Krejcik, former Texas AM guy, whatever. Unbelievable match. Indoor tennis, Krejcik, former NCAA doubles champion, a lefty who is always coming into the net. Just crash. If you know who J.P. Smith is, oh, the, yeah. yeah, the Tennessee guy, mm-hmm. the Australian, plays exactly the same. And it's just... It's a it's a throwback to a past. And Kesmenovich, like we mentioned, the baseline ability, the lateral agility, his ability to snap off passing shots. 7-6, seven, 6-7, six, six, seven, seven, six, a lot of high-pressure points. And this was just a fun match to watch. Absolutely. And, if, again, if you guys have time to go into the live stream. If we haven't talked these matches to death already, yeah, go check them out for sure. So one other notable match I want to talk about, our boy Jason Jung, a UM grad, defeating Jared Hiltzik in U-F-M. three sets. UM grad. You're not a UM grad yet, so you don't know. Uh, it's UFM. <laughs> that was a hey, great shot. I guess. Ch- I'm just, dude, I'm, I'm trying to go quick here. We're, we're <laughs> rambling a little bit. No, I feel you. But shout out to Jason Jung indeed. Shout out to Tim Smechek as well, taking a W. We're going to skip over the quarterfinals because there really weren't that. I mean, matches, you know, we've talked about these players at length already, but Mackenzie McDonald beats Smechek 4-2. Clinical performance from McDonald, just unbelievable. Yeah, and I will say the one match that, again, I know we just mentioned Jason Jung, but he took down Kazmenovich one and one. And Kazmenovich, he's been on a win streak. I think he was gassed. Uh, probably. I think six seven seven six seven six or whatever the yeah, order was. Yeah, it's tough. I think he's just gassed in that match. Also, Kudla beats Fritz, but Fritz Ugh. Kind of tweaked his knee against Klein, yeah. so it wasn't full power. But still, for Kudla to win three and three, you know he beat Steve Johnson at the Australian Open. Another good win for him and a great start to his 2018 season. Okay, let's talk about one semifinal matchup. Uh, we'll briefly mention Kini Shikori beat Jason Jung six four six four in the top half of the draw. Good run for Jung. Absolutely, but on the bottom half of the draw, and Fliegner Rothman cue the clocks. Mackenzie McDonald defends Dennis Kudla six four six four. You know, it, it was only one break difference in each set, but, oh, Mackenzie, man. Talk about a shot maker. I like, I mean, what is there left to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that he has been playing great. This is what I was saying. He is the guy, I think, to look for in these next tournaments that are coming up. He just, I don't see many flaws. He serving 71%, winning 74% of those serves, three of seven on his break points i mean he's he's playing well so then i'm gonna throw a question at you rothman mackenzie mcdonald goes where on your next gen power rankings if you include him with our next gen 11 wow that's tough because he's only what 22 maybe yeah. 23 yeah he's not much older he's than these my guys age. you know on current ability i'm gonna throw him and this is gonna be a hot take from january i love it i'm gonna throw him right up in the seven eight range i'm gonna put him just below oh i can't i can't say who they are though oh you have some fine that's kind of funny uh you said seven or eight on current ability Uh uh-huh name some of the guys you have in front have you named any of the guys in front of him yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got Fritz is in front of him. Donaldson's in front of him. Escobedo's in front of him. Tommy's. You have see. All right, I'm gonna go with a differentiate. I'm just gonna throw in my answer. Sorry for cutting you off. I would have him right now at number four, and I would have <laughs> him behind 
Fritz at three, someone at two, and Donaldson at one. I think his weapons are that refined. I think he has a set game plan. And yes, he's very frail. He's like 145 pounds, but he executes his game plan and plays aggressive and stays on top of the baseline so well. Feel free to cut me off. You now, look like you got things to say. It's just funny because I think we switched places there. Like <laughs> I, I think I needed you to say seven so that I could say four. I said four and you said Well, that's oh, what I'm oh, saying. Oh, oh, <laughs> we needed that. I needed you to go first because I didn't want to be the guy to say four. But see, I, I, you know what? I'm Usually changing. we're aligned on these. Our power yeah. rankings are pretty similar. I'm, I'm changing. I think he would be top four. I know it's a hot take, but look, you look at his current he rankings. He looks good. He's 144. And in terms of yeah. guys, he's behind, barely behind Escobedo, mm-hmm. you know, right around with Kozlov, Mo, and Paul, barely behind, or I guess a little bit behind Tiafo. But he's at the point now where he's going to get, I'm using it, medical timeout. Yeah, me too. Well, I think I use mine on Kozlov. I'll so use we'll use mine. yours. I appreciate that. But yeah. Number four is not a stretch. Just what are his weaknesses other than his frame? You know, I, I guess you could say his serve, which comes with his frame. The second serve. Yeah, yeah. it's a little weak. Um, and he also misses sometimes. He has some off days when just the forehand on the rise isn't calibrating and, you know, he just leaves the approaches a little bit short. Yeah, and I guess you could say the fact that he hits such a flat ball is a weakness at times. You I mean, know, he thrives in indoor tennis. He does, absolutely. And and it's funny because he really does have the ability to get some height and some spin on that ball. I think one of his best shots is when people are coming in and he goes for that high spinny lob. He's done it a million times. I could not. In terms of his best shot, for me, it's anything he takes on the rise. Just the form is so gorgeous. His ability to lean into Technically, the Technically, his strokes are beautiful. Some, I, this is a bold comparison. I'm not saying they're going to have similar careers, but it's Fed-esque on the forehand. It's that wow. crisp. It's clean. It's so efficient. There's no wasted movement. He's getting his full body into it he's turning i just think yeah I, I i'm a big fan of mckenzie's game and so we can continue this into our talk about the final i was gonna say to move to move back to the final i was gonna say my comparison and it's funny i was watching the two of them play i thought that he played similar to nishikori they they're both smaller guys with smaller frames nishikori with a little bit more topspin right well, on that's the what I was saying. a little more topspin okay. on his strokes but if you look at okay, the way that they that play now. It's just a little bit of a flatter version than Nishikori. Obviously, attacks a second serve more than Nishikori does, but seriously, I, I think if you look at them from behind, it, they are very similar in their game style. I'm going to leave those connotations behind, but just in terms of... <laughs> You're thinking dirty, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I know we've mentioned this, but the thing McKenzie does so well, movement. I mean, it's just so efficient, even moving in, covering the net. I think he does a spectacular job closing the net. And, you know, we're not going to get to talk about this since we're not going to do a next gen on Mackenzie McDonald since he was born before me. But there's a video of him from, I think, the Easter Bowl when he played Alexios Halabian in the final. Wow. I know that's a name. It's North Cal versus South Cal. And I yeah. just remember he closed South the Cal, net. Baby. You know, this is something he's been doing since he was 17 years old is just closing the net so mm-hmm. well. And, yes, Nishikori in the end, just a little bit more powerful. And I've mentioned this given McDonald's. Donald's frame, if you can get the ball deep with pace, kind of force him to create his own angles as opposed to working him side to side, that's when he can struggle and kind of force the issue too much. And yeah, Nishikori just had too much pace in the end, and that was the difference. But an incredible week for McKenzie. Absolutely. And, and I'm, as I said, super excited to see what he can do in the future. All right, I'm going to throw one more question for you. Who's ranked higher at the end of the year, Tennis Sandgren or Mackenzie McDonald? I love oh, it. I, I love. Do you think the upside is that great this year, or do you think this is going to be a process? Because there's about a three-year age difference. Yeah, I, I want to say Sandgren. I mean, all, I'm not going to say that his Australian Open results were a fluke, but I have a hard time thinking he's going to be able to carry that kind of success throughout the year. Mackie obviously showing promise, but 
it, it's hard to argue that he's going to be the one ending up higher. A strange difference for me between them. I think Sandgren's a great three out of five set player because of how physical he is. I think McKenzie, two out of three, he's a shot maker. And so he'll be, you know, this it's the same type of effectiveness where I think Sandgren is that much more effective at the slams. Hey, hopefully we can see Mackey qualify for a grand slam and go three out of five. All right, one more follow-up. Is he top 100 at the end of the year? Yes. Okay, that's fair. He'll qualify for a grand slam? Hopefully. <laughs> I like that answer. All right, that's a perfect place for us to transition because... Every time I come to this podcast, I hope you have an idea for me for the changeover chat, and usually you don't, but I will continue to hope that you think of something after this fake commercial break. And now, another fake advertisement from our new sponsor, Light Shoes. Light Shoes. Alex, are you slow on court? We can agree to disagree. Well, (laughs) let me tell you, if you're wearing Nikes, Adidas, Bablots, that'll all make you slow and terrible. Who poaches more, me or you? Definitely me. And you don't want to know why? Because I'm light on the court. (laughs) I wear Light Shoes. Oh, Light Shoes. He doesn't poach more than me. Screw you. I always have ideas. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Name one. What do you mean? You literally just assume that all the changeover chats are yours and they're they not. Are. They're not. We I, I we talk about what, them beforehand. Who did the ACT score? That was a oh my god! <laughs> I came up with the Bachelor and the hundred meter get- dash. What do you mean? You don't even watch The Bachelor. I hate that I just admitted that I watched The Bachelor. That's so false. I watched last night's episode. How dare you say that? Wow, I have This guy is such a joke. I hate this (laughs) guy. Oh my God, we're still recording. No, this is unbelievable. Hold on, (laughs) let me get two seconds in on this. It is, this show is the epitome of superficiality. And sometimes it's funny. Okay, I'm not going to lie. The the girls are obviously very eye-popping. But if I... If I'm a contestant in that show on The Bachelorette, which I would never be, despite my mom being like, the home visit is all I look for in this, which I would say no. Um, But this idea that I'm going to, after a month and a half, be engaged to this person who has been dating 26 other people for the past month and a half is effing, it's fucking ridiculous. It's just like, come on. And like the superficiality, who's the the drama queen? Crystal. Oh my God. Cannot There was a conversation between them last night that I was like, mom. This is beneath you. Yeah, like, this, it, it's this, beneath everyone. It's just, but at the same time, I love it. Yeah. Chris Harrison, legend. Hey. Just imagine getting to do the thing where, like, after there's one rose left, he walks and goes, this is the final, final rose. rose. All right, peace out. <laughs> I'll be backstage. It's, it's probably time to wrap up the show. Special shout out, as always, to Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, our two super producers who make us sound as clean as possible. You know, we always appreciate your work, and we ask you again, go check out some of our work at CrackRackets.com. If you want to reach out to us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, come comment in the Crack Chats. We'd love to banter back and forth with you. If you have any questions you want us to address on the pod, please just tweet them in. You know, again, we've got a ton of fun content coming your way, continuing with the Next Gen series. We've got some really fun college tennis interviews planned and we're going to get into the college tennis season again as this winter goes along but max rothman as always thank you for taking the time i know how busy you think you are dude again <laughs> you haven't seen the google you calendar haven't seen my google i think we just titled the episode <laughs> but as always for alex gruskin for max rothman for our super producers fligner and westoff we say to you hey great shot and we'll see you guys next week thanks everyone Shot Production. Production.